politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our liberties once again to see our podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house today. It is Wednesday. It is December 8th. And the clock is ticking out on this year. Time is running out for us to reclaim our most basic liberties. Um, we got a lot to cover today on the immigration front. I do want to change gears a little bit from the last couple of days, but really along the same theme we talked about yesterday. Whatever the issue is, the Republican Party, on the issue that matters, in the way it matters, and when it matters, they're always on the other side. They're not only not a help, they're on the other side, and we have to operate with that understanding accordingly and take precautions and start that new movement. Um, so there is a lot going on with the Omicron stuff, more information showing that rather than it being a terrible variant and that we need vaccines, it's just the opposite. It's very mild. But on the other hand, the shots don't even work for it. Not that they work for the current iteration either. So if we have time, we'll get back to that. But the big thing you have to understand about COVID fascism is that they don't want a control group. They cannot afford to have anyone doing something different, even if they control 90% of the world, they get 90% of people to get the shot. They can't have 5-10% of people, even young kids, that are left without it because then their big lie and genocide gets exposed. That point is runs true for other issues as well. And I want to get into refugee resettlement, immigration, illegal immigration, social transformation without representation, and how they're trying to seed red states with these people. You think, you know, if they're so into it, they would only put them in blue states. You know, they tell you how amazing these people are. Man, they enrich our culture. They enrich everything we do. We would die without these people. You know, we we, we just need them. Well, why would they dump them more in red states? And the answer is they cannot afford a control group of any state that is living with a civil society that works harmoniously on Judeo-Christian values, that's not balkanized, that actually speaks English as the unifying language, they cannot afford to have that. And that is why they are working day and night to flood red states with by the way, there's two types of refugees. There's inner, you know, uh, overseas, but then there's all the ones from the border that they're resettling. And once again, except for Ron DeSantis, a little bit the Montana governor, they're all embracing it, embracing the worst, most illogical form of refugee resettlement we've ever had in our history, most irresponsible resettlement we've ever had in our history. That is what they're doing. So we definitely need to get into that today. I've been meaning to talk about this for a while. Um, there's some news on that. And then maybe we'll get back to uh, some of the COVID fascism stuff as well. Now, our first sponsor today, uh, don't be like phony Republicans that misfire and shoot off Target. Go to iTargetPro. That's iTargetPro.com. They offer laser bullets to put in your gun and a little bit of a little uh, screen 
and you download an app, and you could practice as if you're in a range. Um, obviously, there's no real bullet, and it doesn't make noise, doesn't have a recoil, but you could practice your five-point draw from the holster. You could even time it, your muscle memory, your sight alignment, your trigger control. Let's face it. You know, I used to down 400 rounds each session at the range. It's just we can't afford that anymore. So this is a way you could earn back your money in just one training session, what you would have spent on ammo. iTarget comes in all calibers. Again, go to iTargetPro.com, save 10% plus free shipping with offer code CR, itargetpro.com, offer code CR. So, folks, I, I want to go through some of what's going on here with what we're seeing from Republicans just before we get back to immigration and how when it comes to the issues that matter, Republicans are on the other side. Some of you might have noticed that we've had the Fourth Reich. They're killing us with a virus they're preventing treatments. They're foisting upon, upon us treatments that are killing people. This is a biblical genocide that's taking place. Okay, it, it blows out any other policy issue that I've been passionate about. And those of you who have been with me over the years know I can get very passionate about an issue that I care about. Nothing rises to the magnitude of this issue. And like we said, I would say in second place is the social transformation without representation what they're doing to our communities, changing them with illegal immigration, with Afghanis. And then obviously the third issue would be the crime issue, the homosexual agenda, the, the transformation of our culture, you know, number four. Critical race theory ties into that. But throughout all these battles, the Republican Party is missing in action. In fact, usually they're, like we're going to talk about, they're on the other side. The one thing that gets that testosterone flowing in these guys is when you talk about a foreign policy issue with another country. They all, they're obsessed with Ukraine. That is the issue they're willing to lie down on. So last night, 70, only 70. That's like one third, only one third of the House Republicans voted against the National Defense Authorization Bill. As you well know, there are three bills that they have leverage on, even in the minority. Now, the House can't block it, but the Senate Republicans could filibuster it. It's the budget bills. They sold out on that. And then the two remaining are the defense bill and the debt ceiling. Those are considered the must-pass bills. So we have a government that destroyed us on debt, indebted us through COVID fascism, turned on the Fourth Reich through COVID fascism, but particularly in the military, throwing out... People in the military for not getting a clot shot. Plus, you have all the social engineering and critical race theory going on in the military. This bill actually funds more of that, much less Republicans didn't get in provisions to block this, to block the mandate in the military. Remember, the military mandate is the one thing so far we did not get an injunction on. And here we have a deadline for the Defense Authorization Act. And, and typically, Republicans are more feisty when they're in the minority. Yet only 70 House Republicans opposed it. I'm sure it's going to pass overwhelmingly in the Senate. So they gave up that leverage, too. They are funding. Imagine if, like, you know, I mean, uh, it's not imagine. This is essentially what's happening. But Biden says, OK, every conservative in the military needs to either get raped or get thrown out of the military. Only homosexuals allowed. Only women in combat. Uh, like something like that. And then you have a defense bill 
deadline coinciding with that policy. Yes, they're the minority, but they need 60 votes in the Senate to pass it, so they need nine Republicans to go along with it. Really, 10 Republicans. So guess what? They vote for it. How do you think they're going to play ball when they're in the majority? Remember, when they're in the majority, oh, we can't have a shutdown, we have to pass the bill, because then they have to so-called govern. If, if they can't even do the block and tackle, you could imagine what they're going to do in the majority. And then McConnell crafted this deal to unilaterally raise the debt. So they're passing a bill that changes the Senate rules, but they claim only one time to allow the debt ceiling to automatically pass with 51 votes. So this way, every Republican could vote no. 50 Democrats plus Kamala Harris, you know, is the tiebreaker, is the VP. And they could get to go home and say, we didn't raise the debt ceiling. But they passed the bill now that enables that rule and gives away their leverage to block it with 60 votes. It's, it, I mean, they've been doing this for years. So the House is not involved because they, they can't control this anyway. So every Republican did vote against it. But it's a joke. If they needed their vote, if they were in the majority, they would have went along with it. And then McConnell will find 10 Republicans to fall on the sword. Mind you, there's a lot more than that that would love to do it. This is your Republican Party. Any talk show host that you listen to that doesn't talk about this and doesn't make this point, they're a fraud. If they're like, oh, Republicans need to win back Congress. If they don't realize what's going on, if they're not saying this, they are frauds. Bunch of Teletubbies. A lot of people are talking about Dan, Dan Crenshaw. You know, he's a Navy SEAL, Texas congressman. He's got the patch. He's got like that badass uh, persona. And conservatives loved him, and from day one, I knew he was a fraud. People didn't want to hear it. So he put out a, an attack on the Freedom Caucus and said they're a bunch of grifters when he's the ultimate grifter. And I'm here to tell you, they're all like that. 80% of Republicans are Dan Crenshaw's, and a lot of them are even worse than him. Just understand, do you know who the leaders are going to be if Republicans take back Congress? Let, let, me, let me save the suspense. Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. It will not change. But that's the point. Republicans are more bothered by people like you and me. They're more bothered by our response to COVID fascism than the COVID fascism. And in fact, they agree with it. They think we're crazy. They think we're nuts. So all we could hope to do at this point, with the legislative sessions coming up, let's try to get Florida to be even better, and let's try to get five more states like that. I'd love to get 20 states, and we should, even 23, 24, but okay, I'll take five, where we could live in harmony, live with our values, and live in freedom, where you have super majority uh, people that think like us. Is that too much to ask for? Well, the Democrats have a, have a plan for that. They have us covered for that as well. And they're not stupid. See, you would think they would be happy to get 45 states, let's say, and give us five. But no. Because the problem is, if people would see the thriving nature of those five, they'd look and say, hey, we can't have this, and they, they would rebel. 
tyrants can never afford to have a control group. I want to explain how that's happening through the prism of immigration. Uh, first, our next sponsor today, with Christmas coming up, a lot of people are thinking, man, what do I give my relative, my friend? Raycon wireless earbuds are a terrific gift um, with a lot of people busy traveling, but you don't want to constantly fry your brain on, on screens every second. It's good to unplug and put in Raycon wireless earbuds where you could you know, basically listen to podcasts, music, anything you want. You don't have the clunky wires, terrific sound. They have three different uh, sound profiles, um, you know, from best, balanced to pure. And they offer eight hours of playtime with 32-hour battery life. There's also a built-in mic that you could take calls on your earbuds, so it does that as well. Um, I find them two things. Number one, they fit very well in my ear. It's hard to find things that fit good. And number two, you get a brand name for cheaper prices, really the cheapest price for the brand name. So pick up a pair for yourself and a spare for a friend. Go to buyraycon.com slash conservative to unlock exclusive deals up to 20% off your Raycon order. Um, but it's only limited for a period of time. So go to buyraycon.com slash conservative. That's buyraycon.com slash conservative. So a lot of people forget this is happening quietly. They brought in over 100,000 Afghans from all corners of Afghanistan within a matter of days and put them on military bases. Now, first of all, just right off the bat, that's an amazing operation. You see, you see how incompetent our government is, but then when they want something done, I mean, just think of the logistics. Do you know what 100,000 people are? Within a couple weeks, they got 100,000 Afghanis into this country. Men are these guys good when they want to be good. They couldn't get out, evacuate the Americans, but they brought them in. Now, what are we bringing in? You know they're not staying on the military bases. They're being seated into our communities. But very interestingly, we're noticing they're putting them in places like Oklahoma, Nebraska, Indiana, and Montana. Almost every state, not Hawaii, of course, they always get around it even though it's the most liberal state. But they're picking smaller red states, and they've been doing this for many years, to fundamentally change the culture and make red states, well, not so red. This got blown out of the news pretty quickly. But Zab Zabiullah Mahmad was a new arrival from Afghanistan. He was charged with raping a woman in uh, Misola, Montana in a hotel, okay? And we forgot all about it. But you cannot imagine the security issues, the cultural concerns, the language problems, and the fiscal problems that we're going to have from this all brought into your community, funded and induced without a vote of Congress, without a vote of your state legislature, without a vote of your county planning board or county council, all at the behest of HHS and State Department bureaucrats working with nine taxpayer-funded refugee resettlement contractors in the ultimate form of social transformation without representation. They're not stupid, and they're targeting red states for this. So let's talk about the social 
Um, well, well, the social slash security aspect because they tied together. If you believe in Sharia values, well, you'll have a security problem too. So, I mean, you we have never done this. 100,000 unvetted people from the darkest corners of the world, the most backwards culture. You can't make this stuff up. So at the time when we had this rape suspect, the DHS secretary and the secretary of state put out a state, I think they sent it was in the form of a letter to the two Montana senators that this 19-year-old Afghan went through rigorous and multi-layer vetting process. Now, the problem is they're proving our point. They're right. They went through a vetting process. There's nothing to vet. Do you think you have data on a freaking 19-year-old coming out of the foothills of Afghanistan? But moreover, let me explain to you why there's, no, there's nothing to vet. Okay? You're not going to have, okay, this guy is a member of this transnational terrorist or criminal organization. This guy was arrested by the local Hukalaka police for arson or uh, larceny. You're not going to have that. Here's what you do have. We don't need vetting. The, the stone cold truth is there is no difference between an Afghan and a Taliban. They're one of the same. I'm going to repeat this. A 2013 Pew Research Center study did a survey of the sentiments of people in 39 Muslim countries on, on things that we would really be interested in knowing before we bring in 100,000 of those type of people into this country. 99% in Afghanistan supported making Sharia the official law of the land more than in any other country, Muslim country, surveyed. 61% say that Sharia should be imposed upon non-Muslim citizens. 79% support the death penalty for those who leave Islam. 82% say religious leaders should have some or a lot of influence over politics, more than in any other Muslim country surveyed. 39% believe suicide bombings can be justified, more than anyone else except for Palestinians. Um, only 30% believe women sh should be allowed to decide whether they wear a veil, meaning 70% believe they should not. Um, less than all but one country surveyed, and 94% believe wives must always obey their husbands more than anywhere else except Malaysia. 96% believe converting non-Muslims is a religious duty more than in any other Muslim country. Oh, we just brought 100,000 of those into this country. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Representative Matt Rosendale, the only decent guy really from Montana, uh, he's the at-large congressman. They're actually going to get a second congressman this year because of um, they added a seat with reapportionment. Uh, but but uh, he he put out at the time the press release. He said that during the uh, arraignment, the initial court appearance, Mohammed's attorney claimed that cultural and language barriers may have led to the rape. Well, no kidding. Yes, if you remember, there was a case that. Um, a group of Afghan evacuees surrounded, and we, we never got the details because they don't want to publicize this, but on, on um, I'm forgetting the base. It was in New Mexico. Uh, I think it was Fort Bliss. They assaulted a female service member there. Okay? So we have basically done to our country what Europe did. You could not find a worse country to bring in 100,000 people from than Afghanistan. 
and anyone who can't see that is blind, and anyone who calls themselves a progressive or a liberal, they're pathetic because these are the type of people who believe women are chattel. Okay? So that's what we brought in really good news. Almost every Republican governor has embraced them. They have worked with and are working with the Biden administration to do this. Now, folks, look, we have the perfect storm. You talk about crime with with uh, the refugees, the jailbreak. You need to protect yourself. Our longtime sponsor, We the People Holsters, they make the best uh, custom-made American holsters starting at just 40 bucks, which is pretty much the cheapest on the market for a quality holster. They have thousands of options for any firearm on the market. Propriety clip designs make it both easily adjustable, very comfortable, but also secure. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR to pick up an EDC tactical gun belt because you need your gun belt. Plus, um, <clears throat> obviously, the holster, they have some cool patriotic you know, printed hoodies and T-shirts there. Every holster and gun belt come with a lifetime guarantee. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR. Put an offer code CR for $10 off. Again, wethepeopleholsters.com slash CR. Keep yourself protected today. So the Grand Island Independence, a paper in Grand Island, Nebraska, this is South Central Nebraska, Heartland, Heartland of America. Okay, they're not like putting them in New York City. Grand Island, Nebraska. They report that 469 Afghans have already been resettled in Nebraska and another 635 are on the way. Because of the rush of evacuations, a lot of the Afghans of working age are coming without the employment documents that most refugees have when they arrive. So they will need financial help for longer than they usually expect. Hmm. Interesting. How many Republican governors and legislators do you know raising hell about this? The Fed set a deadline for February 12th. That's just in two months from now to resettle all the people off the military bases. Do you know how many people that is? And and again, it's disproportionately per capita, smartly from their part, putting them in red states. Indiana is one of them, Eric Holcomb, the governor. He's begging the feds to send more. Um... He has a whole t-shirt he walks around with, refugees are welcome. The Oklahoma governor, Kevin Stitt, he announced he was excited to welcome the Afghans. And by the way, I'm seeing a lot of noise online. People are emailing me like or, or messaging me when I say, you know, there's no good governors around. And they're like, well, what about Kevin Stitt? He's awesome. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Kevin Stitt is more pro-criminal than Gavin Newsom. That's not an exaggeration. He, he did the greatest single-day jailbreak in American history a few years ago. Um, letting out 400 violent criminals. Many of them have gone on to commit murder. Um, he's obsessed with refugee resettlement. And people think he's good on COVID, but anything good he did, it was the conservatives there forced him into it. And, and you know, he, he was horrible. His chief of staff called up one city council um, that was voting on a, a mask mandate to get them not to vote, vote for it. I mean, this guy is just um, just awful. But this is what we have. Republicans working in red states, working with the Biden administration to screw us. Oh, and by the way, do you know what was in that budget bill that half the Senate Republicans voted for last week? 
yup, an extra $7 billion in funding for refugee resettlement. You got it. Do you understand what's going to be done with that $7 billion? You cannot imagine. You know, I want to talk about language. If you want to go on to that, just what that does to us. There's a fascinating article out. I'm trying to find where this is. There's a fascinating article that the census just put out just today. So pursuant to the Voting Rights Act, and this should have been repealed ages ago, they basically have to find areas of the country that have the most like foreign language speakers and they have to print up bilingual ballots for those jurisdictions. Okay, I'm going to read to you from the press release hot off the presses today from the U.S. Census Bureau. Today, the U.S. Census Bureau released a list of 331 jurisdictions across the nation and three states that are required under the Voting Rights Act to provide language assistance during elections for citizens who are unable to speak or understand English adequately to enough to participate in the electoral process. I want you guys to think just about this is what we have on the books and Republicans, I remember pushing this when they controlled the trifecta a few years ago federally. I said this is such a unifying thing, making English our official language. You know, there's one thing you have immigrants that are learning English, don't yet know English, but if you're a by by definition we're talking about voting. So by definition, we're talking about people who are American citizens. As a basis, everyone would agree. You might speak with an accent. You might not know it perfectly. But dude, you should, I mean, everyone should agree that if you're voting, if you're becoming a citizen, and the whole part of the civics test is that you understand enough about the electoral process that you would know enough English that you could freaking fill out a ballot. If you don't, you shouldn't be voting and you shouldn't have been made a citizen. That's a simple proposition. That everyone should agree to. And every, and, and it, it would pull very well. But we have this stupid law. So now it encompasses 331 counties and three entire states. I, I don't know offhand what they are. California obviously is one of them. Texas might be another. Might be New Mexico. Arizona, I'm not sure. But listen to this. Listen to this. A total national population of 24.2 million voting age citizens residing in the 331 covered jurisdictions required to provide minority language assistance. An increase of 22.3% in the total national covered populations when compared with 2016. Meaning, from just five years ago, the number of uh, population based on their formula requiring language assistance for voting went up 22% in five years. That's how quick the social transformation is. And overwhelmingly, 20.3 million out of the 24.2 million, right? So, um, like you know, four-fifths, more than four-fifths, more, more than 80% 
are among Hispanics. And, and, and again, that is very heavily influenced by illegal immigration. A lot of illegals wound up finagling themselves into the process. But this is another way illegals contribute to the problem. This is another way illegals are able to vote without voting, even assuming they don't vote. Because they by counting illegals in the census, they, they create all sorts of mandates and requirements. Like, wait a minute, shouldn't we look at the, you know, the people that are citizens? But if you have voting age illegals in an area, they're going to contribute to this formula. Think about that. Think about how quickly that happens. Okay? We now have, in this country... And this is as of a few years ago. I don't know what the latest numbers are. We have 63.2 million people in this country. One in five U.S. residents speaks a language other than English at home. That's insane. Six states. In six states, the number exceeds 30% of this entire population and is as high as 40 Four percent in California. So nearly half of California residents speak a language other than English at home. And again, I'm not saying the the I'm not saying we should patrol what language people speak at home. What I'm, the point I'm trying to make is that that's a measure of just how much unassimilable immigration we've had so quickly. You know, not going through the melting pot, but the salad bowl. 37 million residents speak Spanish at home. This is insane. Utterly insane. If Republicans win back Congress, they should promise to repeal the requirement for bilingual ballots and language assistance because it literally runs in in the face of everything in our own laws and policies about citizenship and the civics test. Justice Louis Brandeis, he was considered a liberal at the time. Supreme Court justice, he himself was the son of German immigrants. He explained the, um, that the most important manifestation of Americanization is when the immigrant substitutes for his mother tongue the English language as the common medium of speech that was always understood as the gateway to being an American. This is what has changed. We have never brought in so many people that are so unassimilable, so many of them so quickly from so such drastically different cultures that are such a fiscal burden, a cultural burden, often depending on which ones we're talking about, uh, a security problem. Daniel Patrick Moynihan, it's, it's amazing to think, he used to be considered a liberal Democrat. He was not a Southern Democrat. He was a New York Democrat. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember seeing him on the news all the time. And he says, you know, he makes it very clear that the immigrants of the Great Wave, quote, were not the wretched refuse of anybody's shores. They're extraordinary, enterprising, and self-sufficient folk who knew exactly what they were doing and doing it quite on their own. Thank you very much. And his point was they weren't mollycoddled. So you can't compare the nostalgia of previous immigration waves to what we have today. We have never done to a country what we've done today. Steve Camerata, 
of Center for Immigration Studies last month. He published an op-ed on this. He looked at the census data. He's an expert on census data. I think he actually worked for the census at some point in his career. Um, he's a friend of mine. Um, the number of Afghan immigrants in the U.S. grew from 55,000 in 2010 to 133,000 in 2019. 2.5-fold increase in less than 10 years. And again, that was 2019. Now, we're literally going to almost double that. Okay? You cannot um, begin to imagine the security problems from that. You cannot even begin to imagine that. The cultural problems. The, the female gen genital mutilation and, and everything that comes with that. That culture. The Sharia culture. And according to the census data of persons in households headed by an Afghan immigrant, 51% live in or near poverty. Um, in 2019, 65% of Afghan households used at least one major welfare program. Um, to be fair, in the general population, it's up to 50%, and that was pre-COVID, so whatever, but you, know, you get the point. What in the world are we doing? You know, Camerata is a separate report, an interesting thing. According to census data, there's monthly community um, surveys. Um, and according to that data, it turns out the immigrant population has grown by 1.8 million this year. Could you imagine that? So it dipped 600,000 last year, as you would expect with the pandemic life has not gone back to normal but one thing has endless immigration even during a pandemic 1.8 million increase again that factors in the net you know increase people come people go people die people are born although if they're born here they're not considered an immigrant obviously but um 1.8 million 1.8 million in one year we're now up to 46 million immigrants in this country and re and remember that does not count anchor babies it does it certainly doesn't count all the newly arrivals that have kids here that are um but what I'm trying to say is it doesn't fully encapsulate the magnitude of the wave we've been in the last few decades it doesn't en en encapsulate it you can't have a country like that but they're going to make sure we can't even have a state that you know lives harmoniously is not balkanized doesn't have the social transformation and yet where are the republicans where are the republicans nowhere the only one i see is ron DeSantis. um he uh so so you have to realize one of the games they're playing is they're double dipping so Oh, 100,000 refugees. It's a lot, but it doesn't sound enormous. But do you know that we've brought in 1 million at the border that are the same thing, impoverished, unvetted, same deal? What do you think they are? And by the way, you know, you see it in the census data. According to Camerata's report, Center for Immigration Studies, you do see what I'm talking about, that over 1 million of the 1.8 million immigrant increase came from illegals. That means more than 50% of our immigration intake came from illegals. Uh, this is from W... It's an ABC affiliate in Florida. Um, ABCActionNews.com. During a recent roundtable in Tampa on first responders and mental health, Governor DeSantis was asked about migrant children 
And he said, I want our resources focused on needs of Florida kids and the needs we have in our communities. There are people coming from other countries. They shouldn't be allowed in the country. Um, he was very clear on that. Uh, DeSantis' response comes weeks after, uh, you know, they had this report showing that Florida Department of Children has stopped renewing the annual licenses of shelters that care for unaccompanied children who cross the border. Um, the shelters are funded by the HHS and ORR, you know, Office of Re Refugee Resettlement. Um, and DeSantis is not budging on that, and they are not participating in it. He is the only one. Every other Republican is joining in. And and by the way, speaking of this, I just want to play DeSantis, just, just a little clip here, on masks. Take take a listen to DeSantis on masks from yesterday at a, at a press conference. Let your employees, let these folks breathe. Let them make their own decisions on this. Because I think it's terribly uncomfortable that they're, that they're in this for so many hours a day. Um, and I don't think it's been proven to make a difference, but I certainly think that if you have 500 people in a ballroom to force a handful of the service staff to have to do that, um, that's not based in science. That's just more, more for show. So I hope that we'll be able to have choice there um, you know, very soon. Again, this isn't government that said anything about it. Um, I thought kind of you'd see it roll off, and I think the more the Florida-based smaller businesses have done that, some of the bigger businesses that are headquartered out of state, you know, they've kept some of these policies. But you know, I feel bad for the employees, and I, I, I think it's wrong that somehow you know, to look down on somebody or to act like they should have to abide by different rules than me or you or anybody else. And so hopefully we can all move forward where everybody uh, has the ability to exercise those free choices. Folks, did you hear that? Who else talks like that? He's like, they don't work. It's humiliating. Let people breathe. 20 months into the great lie of masks, one of the greatest lies of all time, now maybe only supplanted by the clot shot lie, He's the only one talking like this. Literally the only one. No one else. No one else is doing this. And this is the problem. I'm very worried as we have one court decision after another. I'm getting heartbreaking emails from people. At the end of the day, they've used... People forget how Biden cleverly moved the Overton window over. Before he had his official mandate, there was a de facto one. When you go and you sell poison, and the government funds it and buys it and markets it with taxpayer funding with the greatest campaign ever, and, and, and censors and says it's going to save lives and it's the only way to save lives, and pressures businesses, they're going to do it. And then also when it's piggybacking off of months of COVID mandates, they're gonna follow suit. It's like 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 a a, a a pedophile grooms his victim. They groom them already. That's not free market. You have to go after those mandates. Otherwise, you don't get free market. You get the outcome of the most anti-free market fascist stuff. Again, if you have the boot of government saying you're gonna die if you don't wear a mask, so everyone in the business has to wear a mask, and then after a certain period of time, it's it, it's no longer mandatory, but many of them continue it. If you don't go and actively ban it, that's not free market anymore. You have to erase everything they've done. So my concern is with all these court injunctions, they're just going to 
use that as an excuse to to not do anything in these legislative sessions and not do at least what the governor of Florida did. But it's not going to help 95% of people. That's the reality. So we can't let up. We certainly cannot let up. There's a fascinating story I want to share with you. This is from Axios. They put out a poll of young Democrats and young Republicans. And to me, if you wanted to explain where we are, the asymmetry, where one side fights like hell for what it wants and gets results, and the other side is out to lunch, we, 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 we can't even get anything, even in a county uh, that's 80-20 Trump within a solid right state. They polled college students, and they asked them the following questions. What percentage of you would go out on a date with the opposite, someone who's like, if you're a Democrat, they're a Republican? Would you shop at a business that's like that? Would you be friends with someone like that? And would you work for someone like that? And and the asymmetry is astounding. Okay. 71% of Democrats, 71%, these are college Democrats, said they wouldn't go on a date with a Republican. Only 31% of Republicans, less than half, said the same thing. 41% said they wouldn't shop at a business that's like Republican or owned by Republican. Only 7% of Republicans said the same thing. 37% of Democrats said they wouldn't even be friends with the Democrat. Only 5% of Republicans said the same thing. 30% of Democrats said they wouldn't work for um, a Republican. Only 7% of Republicans said the same thing regarding the other party. Now, I'm not trying to advocate that it's a good thing that we're this divided. But that ship has sailed. The reason why we're so divided is because it's not just fighting over politics. You don't, you know, you don't not be friends with someone because you're a Yankees fan and they're a Red Sox fan. But politics now is our life, our liberty, our property, our ability to survive. Everything. So it's like someone believing in militant Sharia. Versus your Judeo-Christian views. You can't really associate with someone like that. It's even worse. It's more impactful. So now that the other side brought it to this level, the only way is when you have equal and opposing force. But you see, now I know it's among young Republicans. Maybe older Republican voters might be a little different. But I think you know this asymmetry is definitely there. And whether being like this is a good thing or not, should have gotten to this place is a different story. But now that we're here, we need equal and opposing force. We need our Noah's Ark, our place where we say hands off. Only sane people allowed. That's the only, you can't fight a cancer with something benign. This has always been our problem. This is why we have so many loser Republicans. Because our own people don't care enough. It's a very hard truth to swallow. But that's really the source of all this. I did want to get to some other COVID news before we, uh, you know, 
call it a day here. And oh my gosh, there's so much, man, there's so much in my stack I didn't get to because we were obviously covering immigration today. But very interesting, very fascinating. There's a Michigan State University um, study out yesterday, brand new. By tracking the evolutionary trajectories of vaccine-resistant mutations in more than 2.2 million SARS-CoV-2 genomes, so this is a very well-done study, we reveal that the occurrence and frequency of vaccine-resistant mutations correlate strongly with the vaccination rates in Europe and the USA. In other words, the more the higher the vaccine rate, the more you have vaccine-resistant mutations. So as we said, it is not the unvaccinated causing the virus to mutate and become more durable and more resistant. It is the leaky shot. And this is a major study showing that. Okay? This is a big deal. This is a very big deal. And you see it. You look at New England. You look at Vermont. My buddy Kyle Lamb put this together. Take December 8th of this year versus last year, 2020. Last year, there were 28 people in the hospital, four in the ICU. This year, there's 94 total in the hospital, 31 in the ICU in Vermont. It's a small state. Okay? More than triple. New Hampshire was 216 last year, 51 ICU. Now it's 438, 105 in the ICU. Maine, 179 last year. 60 in the ICU, now 30, 373 in the hospital, 121 in the ICU. Michigan, 3,742 in the hospital last year. And remember, they had a big wave. See, the thing is, New England didn't get it that bad, or northern New England. But they, they got it horribly already. So you, you would expect with the built-up immunity, how could you top it? So it's not a whopping percentage more, but it went from like 3,700. This year, it's 4,500. And the ICUs look, look like they've gone up even more. And, and by the way, that's another thing that's very interesting. If you look at these numbers, the ratio of people who progress from being admitted on the floor to the ICU has not gotten better. If anything, it's gotten worse. And that's a whole other scandal. Very fascinating thing. If you would have said to anyone 20 months ago that 20 months from now, you would not have improved whatsoever on mortality in the hospitals. No one would believe that. That was the whole thing. It's a novel virus. We were caught by surprise, and you know it was a bioweapon now we know, so it was hard to deal with. Um, that in itself is a huge scandal. You know, A, that the virus has become worse, um, and the vaccine did that. But this is also, again, speaks to the treatment, that they literally will not update a single protocol. Not one! The remdesivir, and like even just on the steroids, there was another massive study out showing methylpred killing dexamethasone in terms of choice of steroid and outcomes. Crushing it. Every There's not a single study that doesn't show head-to-head methylpred crushing dexamethasone. They will not move off of that. Just that point alone. Truly unbelievable. But folks, remember... This is not about, this is not about better outcomes. It's about one thing. Take a listen to this from Dr. Kieran Moore 
Kieran Moore, he's the medical officer for Ontario's health department. He said this yesterday at a press conference. Take a listen. Means of protecting individuals is stopping the mixing of unvaccinated and vaccinated. And if our basic means of protecting individuals is stopping the mixing of unvaccinated and vaccinated. People don't like the Nazi comparison. That is the end goal. And again, it's not so much the vaccinated and unvaccinated, <coughs> unvaccinated as an end to itself. It's what it represents. Those who obey and those who don't. Those who are worthy and those who are not. You segregate them and then eventually you know the next step. What happens thereafter. That is the ultimate goal here. I want you guys to realize there have been 8.28 billion doses of some form of COVID injection administered globally. 8.28 billion. Okay, so that's greater than the world population. Now, obviously, a lot of people have gotten three, four shots already, and you know, certainly most got two. So it's not, you know, it's not half the population even, but it's it's a heck of a lot of the population. I forget how many people are estimated to have gotten it, but 8.28 billion doses. Yet there is more all-cause mortality this year than last year when there was zero built-up immunity and little understanding of how to treat the virus. I want you, I want you to ponder that for a minute. How you accomplish that. You go 20 years, 20 months, and the second year you have more mortality than the first year with eight billion doses, and so much opportunity to come up with treatment protocols. Well, the answer is they stifled the treatment protocols, they put out dangerous treatment protocols, and the shots not only don't work, but actually contribute to all-cause mortality on net. Um, With ADE, they made the virus worse, so more people, both vaccinated and unvaccinated, die of the virus, and obviously from all the other crazy stuff. I mean... You look, it's interesting. There's a study out in the Lancet today from King's College London. It's titled, if you want to look it up, Disentangling Post-Vaccination Symptoms from Early COVID-19. Post-vaccination symptoms per se cannot be differentiated from COVID-19 with clinical robustness, either using symptom profiles or machine-derived models. Individuals presenting with systemic symptoms post-vaccination should be tested for SARS-CoV-2 or quarantining to prevent community spread. So they use it for their purpose. Like, don't think someone who's vaccinated, like, don't think, like, don't, don't think they're sick from the vaccine. It could be they got COVID. That, that's what they're trying to say. Now, the truth be told, it's true because you're actually very likely to get COVID, particularly in those four weeks after vaccination. They're right. But what they let out of, um, but what, what this study found when they examined the symptoms, they couldn't tell the difference between COVID and the shot in a lot of people, even if they legitimately weren't getting COVID. Yes, it's the spike protein. You put the pathogen in them, except the difference is, your body is producing unlimited number of spikes behind your machinery, behind your natural immune defenses. And doing so, now there's some studies it might be up to 15 months and longer. So that's what we have in terms of that. There's a whole article out on sudden stillbirths, surgeon stillbirths in um, British Columbia. There's this Lionsgate Hospital 
where people are claiming there are 13 babies reportedly still born, born in the hospital in one 24-hour period. All of their mothers had received injections. In a typical month, there may be one stillborn baby at that hospital, yet there were 13 in one day. And yet, in Pfizer, we trust. Every Republican trusts in Pfizer. That, that, that's our new motto. In Pfizer, we trust. You know what's funny? They just came out today and they said, all the independent studies show that it doesn't work against Omicron. Now, it doesn't work against Delta, and Delta's a bigger deal after it made it ADE, and pray to God it doesn't do ADE to Omicron. But if you get three more shots in succession, it has really good effectiveness. So in other words, if you get six shots against Omicron, it will work of the same failed formula for the Wuhan wild type. <laughs> no wonder they, um, my buddy Aaron Siri, the lawyer that's suing in court, uh, the, there's response briefs. You know, They're going back and forth in court um, on the FOIA cases to release the documents. Now they ask that it should not be released until 2096. So 55 years wasn't good enough. They need 75 years to release their data. That's how much we should trust Pfizer. That's how much Dan Crenshaw and all these Republicans promoting the clot shots support it. This is where we are. One more story I just want to show you on the um, the truly just unbelievable, unbelievable war on treatment, and it's really a war on our survival. The FDA has a warning letter. They're sending out warning letters um, that NAC, you know, NAC should not be used. And um, Canada's warning against it, NAC, N-acetylcysteine, it's a supplement. A lot of people take it every day. It's really good for loosening mucus in the lungs, um, cystic fibrosis. People take it. Pulmonary disease. It's literally, it, it's it's a an over the counter supplement designed for pulmonary inflammation and congestion and scarring. Like you can't get anything better than that. That's over the counter. And it's, it's increasingly becoming harder to get. But, um, you know, it was originally approved by the FDA back in 1963 to treat, ironically, liver side effects from an overdose of Tylenol. We talked about that before, that NAC works against Tylenol, which is why the one thing they tell you to take outpatient is Tylenol. It's actually wrong. Tylenol depletes your glutathione. NAC increases it. You want to increase it. Um, for fever, you want to take, if you have to take something, it's better to go with Motrin if the aspirin doesn't work because you want to be taking aspirin anyway. And by the way, there's a whole other study out on aspirin and reduction in mortality. And to this day, they will not recommend aspirin. So unbelievable. But we are out of time. I do want to ask you guys a favor. So we're having this friendly competition here at the Blaze. Uh, who could use their promo code to get more patriotic gear at the Blaze store? 
Um, if you go to shop blaze media, shop.blazemedia.com forward slash collections forward slash Daniel Hurwitz. That is my store. Okay. Promo code Hurwitz 20. Hurwitz 20. You can get 20% off. We actually have freedom over fascism mugs and t-shirts that has a picture of a mask on it. Um, I designed them. So that will be our kind of, you know, show mug, t-shirt, hoodie. Um, it would make a great Christmas gift for for friends uh, and family members. So again, go to shop at Blaze Media, Daniel Hurwitz, promo code Hurwitz20. Another thing we also have that's cool, we have Blaze socks. Um, they're just with cool patriotic, uh, you know, stuff on them. If you go to blazesocks.com, um, the cotton is grown in America. It's spun in America. It's packaged in America. It supports 1,200 American jobs. Um, so it's an effort by us to to help that out. And, you know, getting cold. Again, good good Christmas present as well. The cold weather, they're warm cotton socks. So go to blazesocks.com. And again, promo code Horowitz20. Thank you all for listening. Um, man, we have so many issues to cover, but I'm glad we got caught up a little bit on the immigration stuff. It's really bad. The most important thing you can do uh, on this issue is get your legislature to have a resolution to reject refugee resettlement in the state. Stop cooperating with it. We need a bunch of states to get together and sign a compact on that. We'll be talking about that in the days to come. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Thank you for listening.